Well, hey, I'm Grace, and I'm the host of this podcast, She Builds Me Up. She is my neighbor, my friend, my sister, my mentor, and my inspiration. She's the everyday woman that surrounds me all the time. We laugh together, we cry together, and we love together. I value her because of the amazing gifts she shares with me. Come and join my tribe, and let's build something amazing together. This is where we uplift one another, we let our guards down, we invest fully in one another, and we become stronger by doing so. Together, we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of this weird world of adult friendships. We're going to combat our challenges and have fun while doing it. Okay, so I am here as my first quarantine social distancing podcast episode. Uh, My first phone interview, which I have my cousin, Tiffany Snavely, on the phone. Tiffany, if you want to say hi. Hi, everybody. Um, Tiffany lives in Columbus, Ohio. And so obviously I've known her my whole life because she's my cousin. Um, But we've kind of gotten closer as adults, wouldn't you say? Just because Columbus is like halfway between where I live in Pennsylvania and where my parents live. So I've kind of stopped and seen you guys. Yes, a few and times. That. Yes, yeah. same, same. Um, and you and your sisters are the closest in age to me on my mom's side as well. So that's yeah. been nice. Um, and so Tiffany, if you just want to tell us a little bit about your family and just a little introduction about yourself, what your favorite food is, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Um, so excuse me, I have three kids. One daughter, Sophia, she's seven, and then twin boys who are two, almost three, which is unbelievable. I can't believe but that. I know, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and like you said, we live in Ohio. Um, my husband works for the government. I'm a dental hygienist, and we just, yeah, we just really like it here, and we love just doing things as a family. Um, and my favorite food, gosh, I love food so much. That's a hard one. <laughs> Must run in the family. I, I know. <laughs> Honestly, I, I am a sweets person though. Like, Are you? Okay. Chocolate. Yes. Oh, yeah. Give me yeah. all the cookies all day. <laughs> I never get tired of them. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookies are my personal weakness, so I understand. Good. We've got that in common. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So the reason I wanted to have Tiffany on the podcast today is because she has a really incredible story that um, entails her journey to becoming a mother. Um, And so particularly um, her journey of getting her daughter, Sophia, who is adopted. And so I just wanted to talk to her about this story and her, this journey that you've had um, and just the miracles that kind of happened along the way to you becoming a mother and all of that. So if you just want to start from the beginning, let's, let's talk about the beginning of your journey with wanting to start a family with your husband and what kind of timeline were you all on and what setbacks did you come across? Well, let's see. We had been married for about a year and we decided that... We wanted to start trying to have a family, and um, I think we were a couple months in, and nothing was happening, and we were like, what? What's going on? This was supposed to be so easy, right? <laughs> like, nobody tells you it's that easy. Um, and then we, I think around six months in, we decided, okay, we should go 
get some help. So I went to my doctor and, you know, he agreed like, yeah, usually most people um, can get pregnant within six months. So um, he suggested we try Clomid. Mm-hmm. So we tried that for three cycles with no luck. And um, then at that point, we I had just decided to go back to school. So we kind of decided, okay, let's just still keep trying, but yeah. just I'll go to school. And because everybody also gives you the advice that, oh, if you stop trying or if you don't stress about it, it'll just happen you know yes so I've heard that advice we were, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we were like okay we'll just I'll just go back to school we'll keep trying but not thinking too much about it and it'll happen um so uh we just kept doing that I got all the way through school and graduated and, and how long was that 12 yeah and nothing had happened oh, so man. so at this point how long did it take you to get through school so I, I did like, I think it was four years because I had prereqs to take and then I had okay. dental hygiene, okay. which was three years. So yeah, it was about four years at that point. Um, and I graduated like 2012. So I guess that would have been, you know, six years into marriage that I was finished, yeah. you know, with school. And along the way, was it like just a complete roller coaster or were you kind of calm thinking like, oh, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen or <laughs> where were you at? Both. <laughs> both you know it just depended um sometimes I wasn't thinking too much about it we were busy with other things and and it was fine and then you know one of my close friends would get pregnant or something like or someone in the family would get pregnant and even though I didn't wish that that wasn't happening for them I all of a sudden felt left behind you know what I mean yes yes and so it would become very hard like at those times because I would just feel I don't know another word to say other than just left behind. You yes, know, like I'm yes. not doing the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, especially since I feel like your number of kids kind of determines who your friends are. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, right. yeah. And so like you're getting older and the people your age have like two, then three, then more kids. And you're kind of like being friends with people who are a lot younger than yourself. Is that what happened with you guys or... Right, yes. Or also, they're still your friends, but suddenly, which I understand now, their life is different. You know, they can't, like, just go out and to a late movie or, you know what I mean? Yes, so, yes. Yeah, exactly. So you really kind of start feeling distanced from them just because of the way your life, their life has changed. I right, guess. That's I can see that for sure. That is a really good point. So... Um, Tiffany, as as everyone else did, does as well, sent me an email kind of talking about her story. And so in your email, you talked about how after six years of infertility, you found out that you had severe endometriosis. So what yes. was it that led you to like realizing this? Well, we, so after I was graduated, we were like, okay, well, clearly not, <laughs> this hasn't worked. Just, you know, seeing what what happened you know? mm-hmm. so uh, I went back to the doctor and it was a different doctor at this point and she was like well let's try Clomid again so we did yeah and that didn't work and then they had another drug that was similar that they wanted to try so we tried that for three cycles still no luck yeah um 
at that point, she referred me to a specialist. So we went to the specialist, and we did three cycles of IUI with no luck. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so that was really, really hard. And then um, the doctor was like, okay, well, now we just need to do a surgery to determine if you have endometriosis and if that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And he had asked me all these questions, like, you know, to try to figure out if I might have it. I was like, no, 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 you know, none of that. I didn't have any of the symptoms. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, so I'm thankful for that. You know, that's yeah. really great. But so I went into the surgery kind of just like, let's just check this off of our list. You yeah. know, there's no yeah. way I have endometriosis. And I kind of think he felt the same way because of all the, you know, the way I had answered all his questions. Yeah. Um, so I got done with the surgery and he came back to talk to Dan and I and he was like okay he's like well you have severe endometriosis he was like really bad he was like so at this point IVF is your only option oh Um, wow yeah and what went through your mind when he told you that oh my gosh I was so bummed because in addition to telling us that he said you know so IVF is your only option and he said, I'm not saying that it won't work for you. He was like, it, you know, lots of people have success with endometriosis. He was like, but with your severity, it would definitely decrease your success rate. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no. And then, you know, then, of course, they're like, and this is the price, which is, they quoted us around 18000 Oh, um, wow. We had no insurance coverage for that. And so yeah. we were like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So there was nothing you could do to treat your endometriosis? Um, well, he did say, he was like, so sometimes for some people, just the nature of us doing the surgery, kind of clearing things out, mm-hmm. will help and they'll get pregnant. He's like, so he was like, I don't want to get you excited. He's like, because it's really severe. He was like, but there is a chance. So mm-hmm. of course I held on to that chance. <laughs> and I yeah, was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm probably going to get pregnant, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I didn't. So, yeah. And so that led you to the idea of adoption. And like, what, how was the mental aspect of coming to terms with like considering that? Well, you know, we were kind of lucky because... We, there was a couple in our ward who had recently adopted a baby girl. Uh-huh. So it was nice because that was kind of right in front of us, you know. Okay, yeah. So when we heard, you know, okay, IVF is our only option. It's going to cost this much. We have huge student loans, you know. We have yeah. a house. We were like, okay, well, let's look into adoption. And it it was hard, though. I mean, even though... So we had that example and this really happy story of adoption in front of us. Also, though, at the same time, like, I had never imagined myself adopting a baby. So on the flip side, it wasn't my plan. So it felt odd. Like, no, I I wasn't planning on adopting any children, you know. Right. Um, So you were just hesitant. Right, right. Um, But the more we looked into it, we found out at the time our church was subsidizing part of the adoption cost. Mm -hmm. So you only had to pay about 10% of the adoption cost. So even though adoption in general is more than IVF, 
you know, in most cases, um, Mm -hmm. it was going to be really, you know, we're like then thinking, okay, we're looking at like $2,500. We can save that up, you know? So we thought, okay, this, maybe this is what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so what was the process like with jumping into it? Well, the first thing we had to do was we had to get interviewed, you know, with our bishop, make sure that, you know, we were good candidates for adoption. And then they referred us on to, at the time, LDS Services did the adoption. So they referred us to them. So then we started all this paperwork, and it was really, for me, overwhelming, like the amount of paperwork. And the amount of just, um, you know, things that you've like background information you had to have. And what also was really overwhelming for me was how you kind of had to sell yourself, you know, <laughs> like yes, yes. you had to write this profile telling how wonderful <laughs> you were. So that was so hard. So um, that was kind of our next step. So we started just doing the paperwork, um, just trying our best to get through all of that, get all of our um, reference letters. I think you had to have like, six so we had to just contact all these people and see if they would write us a letter and you know talk about us um so yeah so that was kind of the first thing yeah so we did that and then you had to have the person come to your home and you know see your home make sure it was safe and right all of that so yeah so we we eventually got to that point where you know we had all the paperwork done and the lady came and approved us, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. So so that was kind of how that process worked. Gotcha. And so you said in your email that you were doing all this and you were praying about whether or not to move forward with this adoption. And yet you didn't feel like you really had an answer. And so I guess my question is what was motivating you to continue (laughs) then? Well, yeah, that was so hard because we prayed about it and I really wanted an answer. You know, I wanted right. a yes or a no because right. it was so overwhelming. <laughs> um, but we didn't, nothing came. Mm-hmm. No, no feeling at all. <laughs> so yes, that's hard. We were like, what do we do? Excuse me. And we just decided, okay, well, we know that we're supposed to have children like you know we've we've both had those promises made to us and we know that this is a a good desire that we have you know to have a family Mm -hmm. um so and we also were like well we don't really know anything else that we can do right now so I told Dan I was like because I kind of had to talk him into it a little bit I was like let's just do it and if it's not right we'll just keep praying and have faith that God will stop us yeah. if it's not right. And if it is, then he'll continue to make things fall into place. Yes. Yes. And were you ever at a point where like you doubted that as well, but you somehow found the way to get through it and, or how did that work? Yeah, there were definitely times that I was like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be doing this. Why am I, you know, Yeah. why yeah. am I doing it? And I think, just I you know just this drive to be able to have you know a child the desire was so strong yeah that I would just kind of be like okay well this is overwhelming and I don't even know if it's right 
but I want to have a child so bad that I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as you're doing this process of like the home studies and the paperwork and all this, what kind of obstacles did you come into as you went down the adoption path? Well, the first thing that happened was we were contacted and told that the church was no longer going to be subsidizing adoption. And oh that was gosh. a huge blow, you know, yes, yes. Um, because all of a sudden now what we thought was going to cost us around 2,500 was like back to around 25,000. Oh, <laughs> so we like, oh my gosh, like, how is this going to work? Um, so that was one of the biggest obstacles that we had, you know, um, but we did, you know, she did tell us, the caseworker, like, you know, sometimes you can have a private adoption. Or She said, so don't give up yet. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, just keep trying. But it still felt like, oh, no, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I think that was hard is just that you would get contacted by someone and yeah. you'd get, like, we would get so excited, myself especially, I would get so excited and I would just feel like, okay, this is falling into place. This is our answer, you know? Um, And I would convince myself that this was probably the one. Right. (laughs) And then every single time, sometimes it would be pretty quickly, like it would be after like one email that they would never respond to you again. And then sometimes you would get pretty far in the process. Thankfully we never, um, you know, like, we're at the hospital to adopt a baby. Thankfully, that never happened oh, to us, good, where the yeah. person changed their mind. But, you know, you would get pretty far in the process, or feel, at least I was feeling like I was, yeah, you know, feeling yeah. really good about it. And then most of the time, and I get it for them, you know, the, the birth mothers, they're scared, and and they have a lot going on. So, But most of the time, they just weren't like, answer you back so you're kind of so I would often ask myself like oh maybe they just didn't get my email maybe I should send another one yeah they also don't want to come across as crazy oh my gosh yep yep (laughs) so it was hard (laughs) so was there ever a point where you were just like I can't take this anymore we need to pull out or what um yeah there there was um there were times when it would just hurt and I would just be like I don't even care anymore you know and so there were a lot of times where I would kind of have that conversation with Dan like I don't even care anymore you know like Mm -hmm. whatever happens it's just gonna happen you know maybe we'll never have children um we never got to the point where we like you know took our profile down or anything like that but I definitely would have those thoughts and those conversations with him right and so how would you cope to like move forward still you know I think the biggest thing was just relying on the savior yeah um I because I mean sometimes the grief it's weird how you can grieve over a child you've never had yes yes but the grief was so heavy um that I felt like I felt physical pain from yeah. it you know I just hurt so badly and just the the wanting you know mm-hmm. um and I just remember sometimes it would get feel so crushing to me and I would just pray and I would be like heavenly father I, you have 
you have to help me. You've promised me that the Savior will bear my burdens with me, and I, yeah. I have to, I have to have that. And I would, I would feel that. You know, I would honestly feel like, you know, it would lighten. And I knew it was because the Savior, you know, was right. there helping me to carry those burdens. That is incredible. I love that. Um, okay, so now let's get to the good part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell let's hear the the story of how you ended up getting Sophia. Well, I was probably in the mood. It was the spring of 2015, and so we were about nine years in. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was probably in the phase of like I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, <I> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was at work. And I got a text from my parents. And they had just gotten off the phone with one of our distant relatives mm-hmm. who had contact. He had seen our profile on Facebook where we had shared it and he had contacted them to say, Hey, do you think we might be interested in adopting my two year old granddaughter who I have custody of? So I got the text and I was like, huh, I was like, well, that seems cool, but I'm, I'm not going to, get too excited about this you know yeah yeah plus i my mistake but i was like i really want to adopt a baby right because that's how people are supposed to get children right right right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so i was like you know that's i don't know this isn't really what i planned you know because we're still (laughs) i still am thinking that i have the best plan so um Whatever, I they texted Dan also, and then I kind of texted him, and I go talk when we get home. So I thought about it, but really not too much more the rest of the day. We got home from work, um, and also I should say they had texted a picture of this little girl. Okay. Um, so I got home from work, and um, Dan was more excited than I expected him to be, because I was usually the one getting excited, you know, and all mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. And so that surprised me. And then he said, hey, he was like, I have to tell you that um, I didn't get to tell you this morning. He's like, because really I didn't think much of it. He's like, but last night I had a dream and we were going into my grandmother's house. I was holding a little girl. I introduced my grandmother to this little girl and I said, this is our little girl who we just adopted. And he said, I, when your mom and dad sent that picture, I recognized her as the little girl from my dream. Wow. I know. And that, that really surprised me because he's not the type to have dreams or try to find, I feel like I'm always trying to find some sort of meaning in everything. Yes. Yes. What's the message of this? (laughs) And he's not that type at all. So when he told me that, like, I was really taken aback, like, what, you know, um, because that was so unlike him right, for right. something like that to happen. And I think he was, too, because he's like, I don't dream about having kids. He's, I mean, obviously, he wanted to have kids. He's yeah. like, that's just not something that I have dreams about, you know? Right, right. Um, so that, so once I heard that, we kind of really started to be like, okay, maybe this is right. Maybe this is going to happen. This is exciting. Um, so we FaceTimed with her, I think it was the next night, and she was so cute, and just really fun, and 
um, yeah, so we started to like, I feel like open our hearts just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. Very, <laughs> Let her yes. get in there just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we made the decision once talking to her grandfather um, that we would fly down. I think it was one or two weeks. I can't remember, but based on when we could get time off that we would fly down and meet her for the first time. And she was also. in Georgia, right? Yes. Georgia. Yes. She lived okay. in Georgia with her grandfather who had custody of her. Um, so we flew down there and <laughs> it was so cute. Uh, when, they opened the door she immediately ran to us and was like mommy daddy <laughs> it was so cute it honestly also kind of i was like taking it back like what <laughs> <laughs> oh man but, <laughs> but it was adorable and she was just so perfect and just you know mm-hmm. just the sweetest little girl um so that was really exciting at that point we're like yeah this is great yeah yeah and so then you find out, though, that she was a foster child. Right. And so, right. What's so the, what was the problem with that? Well, so we had kind of, so even though LDS Services was no longer helping with, like, subsidizing adoption, mm-hmm. their um, caseworkers were still kind of helping people along the process. So we had reached out to her before we left, we had given her um, Sophia's caseworkers information and everything so that she could kind of find out what was going on. Because at that point, we really didn't know. Um, so while we were in Georgia, out with Sophia, actually, we get a call from her and she's like, hey, she's like, I have some bad news. She was like, she's actually not even up for adoption right now. She was like, she's a foster child. And, um, you know, her parents' parental rights have not been terminated yet. She was like, so this is going to be a lot different than just a straightforward private adoption. Oh, wow. Um, So we were like, oh, no, like, you know, that just, well, actually, to be honest, at first I was like, oh, well, we're approved to adopt, so how hard can it be to you know, just switch that over to foster, right? Probably just sign a paper. <laughs> right, right. Little did I know. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, so it turns out, you know, fostering is a whole nother. I don't know if it's like this in all states. Honestly, I can only speak for Ohio, but fostering is a whole nother um, certification yeah. with different classes, more background checks, and honestly, even harder than becoming adoption ready oh wow. i feel like so um so then she was like well you need to figure out what you need to do to get become foster parents is your first step mm-hmm. um so that was interesting because like i said in my mind i was thinking how hard can it be but the more i was calling around i was realizing from all these agencies they're like well we don't even offer these courses that you need until the fall and you know you have to go through all of them step by step so we're looking at you know maybe even a year before we were going to get certified to be foster parents wow and yeah so we were like oh my gosh like why (laughs) you know we had gotten (laughs) we've been so hopeful and Mm -hmm. then this um but thankfully really it was a miracle looking back um I did end up calling this tiny little agency that's north of Columbus where we live, quite a bit north. 
and it's because someone had mentioned them to me. Mm-hmm. Ended up calling them, and they were so nice. And they were like, well, we have a group of foster parents that are already in the process. They were like, if you want to come tonight, you can join in with them, and then we'll hold separately for you all the courses oh, wow. to get caught up. I know, like, such a miracle. I mean, I don't know if I realized it at the time, but looking back, I see, like, just to have that fall into place, to have them be willing to just have these, I think mm-hmm. it was four classes that they had with right. just me and Dan there in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that was wonderful. So, like I said, she was like, we have that starting tonight. <laughs> so we drove all the way oh there that night and started the process. Wow, that is incredible. So you started the process and so what, how long did it take to get Sophia officially adopted? So let's see. Um, we got certified to be foster parents. So all of this started, we met her in April. And then I believe that it was in July that we were able to become foster ready. Mm-hmm. And in September of... 2015 is when we became her official foster parents okay wow yeah and then from then um the some of the biggest obstacles were we had three states so wisconsin where she had entered the foster system Mm -hmm. georgia where her grandfather still had like official custody of her was involved and Ohio, where we lived and had our foster license. Wow. Um, so that got really sticky, you know, having three states involved. Um, so that was one of the kind of obstacles we had. And then the other one was, uh, I think I had already mentioned that her parents' uh, parental rights weren't terminated at that point. Gotcha. Um, so even though... They had told us, you know, hey, listen, it's just not done officially, but it's it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It still felt scary, though, you know, because oh, there were yeah. still, like, I don't remember how many, but several court hearings that we had to be there for and just waiting to see if they showed up and contested or if they suddenly started doing what they were supposed to be doing. Right. Um, which is an odd feeling because you're rooting for someone to do not do what they're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, you know that would I mean? be yes, that would be super weird. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I feel like at that point we were like, no, this is our little girl. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we were really thankful every time that you know it was a no show or each step along the way. We were really grateful that that we were getting closer to that. So. Um, I believe it was, uh, I want to say April of 2016, that um, she became, like, our status changed to adoption. So the parental okay. rights had been terminated at that point, mm-hmm. and she was no longer a foster child. She was basically placed with us for adoption. So that was in April. And then that's like a six-month process. Mm-hmm. So um, we finalized her adoption we went to court and did that in november of 2016 okay that makes sense because we moved out to pennsylvania in 2016 i remember that's when we met sophia yes i remember that (laughs) yes that was so sweet 
Um, okay, so just reality though, what was it like to take in a two-year-old? <laughs> well, it was crazy because, I mean, you know how two-year-olds are. <laughs> I do. I have one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're sweet, but they're also very challenging. At yes. Time. Yes. Um, and it has served her very well, so I'm glad she is. But she is very strong-willed. Oh my goodness. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I mean, I guess all two-year-olds are. Yes. Yes. She is a kid more than your average two-year-old. She's just very strong-willed. Um, <laughs> so it was very eye-opening. I mean, you just imagine entering parenthood with an infant that just snuggles with you all day. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We just kind of jumped right in uh, with a toddler who liked to say no to things, <laughs> would have tantrums. Oh my gosh, you know? I can't imagine. So it was it was definitely challenging, like you know, to be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and I know when we first met Sophia and, and chatted with you guys, you kind of talked about this idea that like the reason you can handle a two year old's tantrums is because you knew them as a baby and you've like had that connection with them. Right. And so you must have had a pretty strong connection with her before (laughs) then. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think I just, you know, you just have to look, you have to rely on the fact that, I mean, because of course I think Satan, there's times that he would be like, well, how do you know this is right? You know, maybe this isn't even right, you know, and I would just have to rely on the fact that, like I had said before, we just prayed that Heavenly Father would make things fall into place. And if I looked back, I could see the way that all of these little pieces, you know, had Mm -hmm. fit together that had brought us to that point. And so I had to say, no, I know this is right. Like, I know she's my little girl. You know, I know she's supposed to be with me and, but, you know, but yeah, there were times that it's challenging just because I feel like he, you know, he didn't want this, you know, this little girl to, to join our family. So he would definitely work on us with, you know, like, yeah. make you think like, are you doing the right thing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something that I love that you sent in your email, it said, you said, I realized that for a long time I had been putting parameters on the blessings I was pleading for. I wanted him, meaning God, to bless me with what I wanted, and by doing this I was putting limitations on what he could or would bless me with. Can you just speak to that, and how does that specifically apply to Sophia? Yeah, so, um, you know, I often would pray to Heavenly Father, and in my prayer I would explain to him, all the things that I needed, how I needed them to come, <laughs> why yeah. I needed them to come, you know, yeah. when I needed them. <laughs> and I just had this plan, you know, that I really needed him to follow. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which seems so ridiculous now, but, um, and I probably still do this with other aspects of my life, but, you know, I just, I, I feel like I had to open myself up to, to his will to say, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let things happen in your time mm-hmm. and not expect everything to happen the way that I want it to, because he knew that that wasn't the way things were supposed to happen. But because right. I was so dead set and stubborn about the way things needed to be, 
I feel like he couldn't bless me with the things that he wanted to because I was kicking and screaming that that wasn't the way it was supposed to be, you know? Oh, yep. I've been there so many times. <laughs> um, so what have you learned through this whole process of wanting something for so long? I mean, nine, ten years, right? And then finally getting it, even though it was very different from what you had envisioned. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've learned is to just trust God. Like, Mm -hmm. if he makes you a promise, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It may not be in the time that we want. It may not be exactly what we want or how we want it to happen. But we can at least trust that he will bless us with the things that he's promised he will Mm -hmm. and that he'll make them happen at the right time and in the right way so if we can just let go you know of those things that we feel so uh, you know strong about if we can just let go and trust him then things are going to be okay and he's going to keep his promises right and I feel like for me too just being humble and recognizing that my plan is not the best plan somehow, which is weird because you're telling yourself (laughs) that you're wrong. Um, Yes. And I also wanted you to speak. You also talked about how you learned that you have to trust yourself to make good decisions. Right. Yeah. Like I was telling you, um, you know, we had no answer. Like, and I was kind of mad at first. Like, why don't you just tell me yes or no? You know? But I think he also wanted me to learn to trust myself, to say, I'm a good person, I'm trying to do what's right, and if I, you know, do the best I can, then I'm probably going to make the right choice, and if I make the wrong choice in good faith, he's going to help me figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah, it just helps me to see, like, okay, I didn't have a yes or no answer but I, I made the right choice, you know, so I yes. can trust myself if I'm being prayerful and trying my best, you know, with good intentions, then I can trust that I'm doing the right thing. Right. And I think that, you know, that comes with needing to build confidence in yourself, which I think that's something that God wants is for us to build confidence in ourselves. And how yeah, are we going to, exactly. how are we going to do that without him trusting us a little bit? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so you've learned all these things through this amazing, very long journey. Cause I know 10 years, like, I just can't even imagine waiting for 10 years to have children. <laughs> like I honestly, I just can't. Yeah. And it's just, it's Felt very, like ins- <laughs> yes, it's very inspiring. Um, and so how have you applied these lessons in other aspects of your life and how has this experience made you who you are today? Well, I th- you know, I was thinking about that. I think the biggest thing for me has been to learn that different isn't bad. Yes. Um, so by that, I mean doing it in a different way than everybody else around you is or being different than the way you expected something to happen. Um, that's not a bad thing, you know? Right. Um, so I feel like that has helped me in motherhood. I mean, I'm still learning this, you know, it's not like I'm suddenly... Absolutely, yeah really good at this or whatever but I feel like in motherhood that has helped me to you know with certain things that might be different than what other people are doing or you know 
my twins are very different stages. Like they're just very different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just helped me, I guess, to see that the difference, not bad, like different is okay. You know what I yeah. mean? Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Yes. And so you mentioned your twins just now, if you want to just give us a quick little, um, story, I guess on how yeah. you got your twins. Yeah, so we knew right away that we wanted Sophia to have siblings, and she told us all the time, like, when oh, are you yeah. going to have a baby? <laughs> I was like, And you're like, if only you knew. <laughs> right. Um, so we actually hoped, we are like, well, maybe we can adopt. Maybe something else will fall into place the way this has. But um, it didn't, and we continued to have sometimes, you know, people would contact us, and then it would fall through. Um, so we ended up finding out about a doctor in Nevada that was doing some very different things from what any doctors here were doing and also who specialized in helping people with endometriosis. Oh, okay. So same thing. We prayed about it. We didn't get an answer. We're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but we just had faith, like, you know, okay, we know that we want to have, we know that we want Sophia to have siblings. Like we felt so strongly about that. Um, yeah. And so we were like, okay, we're just going to keep moving forward. Cause we did this last time and we trust that you'll stop us <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, through all of that, um, we had lots of health scares and ups and downs in the process of my pregnancy. But yes, I ended up having, Two healthy, wonderful twin boys that, yes. like I said, are now almost three. I cannot believe it's been three years. I know. I can't either. I just remember, I remember it was Cinco de Mayo weekend, so it was, <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but it was May <laughs> of, I guess, 2017. Is that when they were born? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I drove over to Columbus for your baby shower with your twins, and it was just yeah. such, like, an inspiring like amazing time because we everyone was just so incredibly happy for you like there were so many tears that day for everyone <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure you remember but we were just all so happy that like we just saw that something you've been waiting for for so long and then Sophia was at the baby shower and she was so happy and it was just this really incredible experience to see someone who I love finally get something that you've been praying and just desiring for so long and it was just oh, a you. really, it was a really cool moment. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think so back much on that. that. You and your mom came, and you know, this kind of goes back to, I guess, the whole thing about your podcast is you were there, you saw the amount of people there. I've always been a person to kind of feel like I had to rely on myself. Like I, I don't often reach out to others. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Like I, I'm trying to learn this from all of your podcasts, and I think it's really helping me, but. To see all those women that were there that, like you said, were crying with me, and I just felt this overwhelming amount of love from people that I hadn't necessarily, you know, (laughs) told my story to, but, you know, you just know, because you find out. Um, So it just was amazing to just have, feel that, you know, powerful, just bond of women just coming together, you know, and rooting for you, so... Yeah, yes. and then, like I said, that just goes back to your whole podcast and what I'm trying to learn from that, just relying on each other. Right, right. Um, and so I've just been very grateful 
to have you in my family as I've like, I, I honestly have been so inspired by your story of waiting because waiting is so freaking hard for things <laughs> yes. that we want. And like, I just, I feel like I, I think about you a lot and I think, okay, like it gives you so much hope to think, don't ever give up because maybe it's 10 years away. Maybe it's only five years away or less, but like, it's going to be there, you know? Right. And it's so, true. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is that even though it's hard in the process, once you receive the blessing, you look back and you say, okay, that wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) right, right. When I look at my children and how much joy they bring me, I'm like, yeah, that was totally worth it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's hard to explain to someone who's in the spot you were in 10 years ago. Right. Um, but yeah. I still, th- I just, I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on here. Cause like, I hope that the hope is that someone out there is waiting for something and they'll listen to this episode and think, okay, I can have hope too, you know? Yeah, I hope so. I, I really hope so. I hope that this can help someone see that it's, it's going to happen. You know, the promises are, are going to happen. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you for being willing to come on here. I always get nervous to ask people to be on here. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just get nervous that they'll say no or something, which, you know, that has actually happened. But I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, anyway. So I, I just I appreciate your willingness to talk about this incredible story of adoption and um, getting your twins as well. So um, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share the story. Yes. Thank you. So I guess we will see everyone next week on She Builds Me Up. If you like what you hear on this podcast or other episodes, I would just encourage you to share this episode or others with your friends and family. The best way you can support me is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. I really appreciate all the support I've received so far. and I'm so grateful for all the people that have been willing to come on my show, especially my cousin Tiffany. Her sweet story of her adoption of Sophia is such an inspiration to me about how so often we want something so badly and then God gives us something even better. I can personally attest that Sophia is the sweetest little girl and we're so glad that she is in our family. As always, you can follow along for updates on the podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at She Builds Me Up.